Noon Hydration is a longtime supporter of Another Mother Runner, so we're super stoked they introduced Noon Energy this month. Visit NoonLife.com, that's N-U-U-N-L-I-F-E.com, to receive 20% off your order when you use promo code HYDRATEAMR. You strive to live a healthy lifestyle, yet unless you've done hours of research, wellness can be downright intimidating. That's why there's Pharmaca. Pharmaca's experts have done hours of research on every product they sell, so it's easy for you to get healthier without stressing or guessing. Go to Pharmaca.com AMR right now to save 20% off your first order. Skip the store, skip the lines, and thrive. Thrive Market is an online membership-based market on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. Join today at thrivemarket.com AMR to get 25% off your first order and an exclusive free gift. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined by Tish Hamilton. Hello, Tish. Hello, Sarah. It is good to hear your voice. And yours too. So how you feeling with no Boston Marathon coming up? Like that's kind of an annual rite of spring for you almost. Well, yeah, April is definitely Boston month. I haven't mm-hmm. run it in a few years. And um, there's a little known fact about that famous marathoner T.S. Eliot um, <laughs> who, who wrote that famous line while he was tapering for the Boston Marathon. April is the cruelest month. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. We need to make a meme of that, I think. him with his little glasses and uh, April is the coolest month Uh, you know you can listen to audio recordings of T.S. Eliot on Spotify it's pretty pretty amazing yeah because I um my first husband whom I dated in college uh was really really into T.S. Eliot so he would get out um albums from the college library and listen to them and so the i don't know six months ago i'm like i wonder if you can get that type of stuff on spotify and yes you can of course you can (laughs) yes so you can listen to t.s Eliot himself reading you know the love song of j alfred proof rock so and things like that we have have nerded out completely and 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 please stay with us listeners Hey, I'm an English major. I find that so fascinating. Uh, well, you know, let's we can switch from talking about poetry to flowers because I took the most fabulous trail run yesterday. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, and with my buddy Trisha, who I've I've decided I am deeming my auxiliary best running friend. Um, Molly gets the pole position, but so Trisha and I met up and went on a trail run specifically to see Trillium. Which I'm going to say, I think Trillium, I'm going to call that a plural noun without any S on the end of it. So um, do you know from Trillium? Yeah, I do not know my flowers like you do. Okay, so they are wildflowers that like to grow in shade, it turns out. Um, And they are woodland flower. And they have, as their name kind of indicates, they have three um, petals and three stamen. And so... And they grow low to the ground, kind of on little bushy green, you know, with leaves and stuff. And they, oh, they're just so pretty. And they're amazing because they're white. But then as they age and die, they turn pink and then crimson. So they're beautiful in every stage, which wow. I think, you know, is how we all age. We're beautiful <laughs> at every stage. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they are typically at their height around the Easter season. 
And so we went out and she, Trisha talked to her husband who had said, oh, you need to go on shaded trails because if you go on trails that have too much sunlight, you won't see many. So we specifically chose a trail that was more shaded. So. And and speaking of Easter colors, my uh, my best friend and I, running friend and I, uh, also known as fast teacher friend, mm-hmm. um, ran this morning at at six fifteen, which is late for her because it's spring break, so she doesn't have to go to school. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was like just just before the sunrise, and so the sun was coming up, and there was enough clouds in the sky that it was ter- it was like spectacular sunrise mm. with all those those Easter egg colors in the sky, mm. like the pink and the orange and the, and oh, the yeah. purple clouds sort of, yeah. you know, as stripes. And it's oh. just like, it was so, so beautiful. It's just a really pretty time of year to be, to be running outside. It sure is. It sure is. Yeah. And what I've also noticed, I definitely, uh, I, I love the, when daylight saving time returns and the longer days, but what I'm also really appreciating this year is the brighter, warmer sunshine because yeah, we have you know we occasionally have sun in the winter time here, but it's this pale, weak light without yeah. much warmth to it. And now, I mean, it's still kind of chilly here, but the the sun on your skin feels warm. Yeah, it's and, nice. Oh yeah, it's really well, when nice. it's not too hot yet, and, and it's still mm-hmm. runnable runnable mm-hmm. sun. Yes, yes. So it's a it's a lovely time of year. Yeah, yeah. So, well, none of these things have to do with our topic today. (laughs) It is um, overcoming perfectionism. Our guest is Catherine Eli, a licensed counselor and a purpose and productivity coach who lives in Birmingham, Alabama. Catherine is a former lawyer, then a stay-at-home mom, and she has three older children. And as two of her three kids were nearing college age, Catherine went back to school and earned a master's degree in clinical mental health, then launched her counseling and coaching practice. Catherine Tish and I will talk about embracing imperfection and taming mental monkeys after this break. Stay with us. Looking to put some pep in your step, either during your workout or your workday? Check out the latest in the Noon family of hydration products, Noon Energy. Like its cousins, Noon Sport, Immunity, Vitamins, and Rest, Noon Energy is a fast-dissolving tablet you drop in water to make a tasty, low-calorie beverage. Noon Energy is packed with invigorating ingredients to supply a sustained boost of, yup, energy. Each 15-calorie tablet boasts 80 milligrams of caffeine derived from organic green tea, 100 milligrams of sodium, compare that to 300 milligrams for Noon Sport, 20 milligrams of ginseng, which has RevUp properties, and well more than 100% of your daily value for vitamins B6 and B12, both of which play a role in energy levels. Noon Energy is available in four yummy flavors, Berry Blast, Tropical Punch, Watermelon Burst, and my favorite, Ginger Lime Zing. Be the first on your block, literally, to try Noon Energy and receive 20% off your Noon order by visiting NoonLife.com and using promo code HYDRATEAMR. That's N-U-U-N-L-I-F-E dot com and code HYDRATEAMR, that's all one word, to save 20%. That code and website one more time, hydrateamr and noonlife.com. When it comes to wellness, you should be skeptical. From supplements to skincare to clean beauty cosmetics, there are literally thousands of products all claiming to work miracles. So how do you know it really works? Just ask Pharmaca. For more than 20 years, Pharmaca has been on the forefront of natural health and beauty innovation, helping you make healthier choices. Pharmaca has an open-minded, research-backed, holistic approach to healthy living. 
That's why Pharmaca is the trusted source for herbal and homeopathic formulas, the highest quality vitamins, and new organic, cruelty-free beauty options that'll make your skin feel as good as it looks. And Pharmaca has a serious vetting process with a team of 350 credentialed professionals rigorously auditing every brand for transparency, sustainability, and sourcing. Impressive. And all you lovers of our Simply Nourish programs will be pleased to know Pharmaca offers more than 100 collagen products. Pharmaca's website is well-designed. I love being able to search by condition as well as brands, meaning I could easily peruse options for allergy relief, given the trees are busting out their blooms around here, immune support, and joint support, for starters. And because it's springtime, I freshened up my beauty supplies with some products by one of my favorite natural skincare and beauty brands, Dr. Hauschka. Go to pharmaca.com AMR right now to save 20% off your first order. That's Pharmaca's best offer, and it's good only for a limited time. That's pharmaca.com AMR right now for 20% off. P-H-A-R-M-A-C-A dot com slash A-M-R. Skip the store, skip the lines, and thrive. Shopping with Thrive Market is healthy without the hassle. Thrive Market is an online membership-based market that delivers your order to your door with carbon-neutral shipping from their zero-waste warehouses in 100% recyclable packaging, which makes me feel good about my deliveries. And on orders of $49 or more, shipping is free. As a Thrive Market member, you save an average of $32 on every order. And check this out. When you get a paid membership, Thrive Market provides a free one for a low-income family. Thrive Market has an amazing selection of high-quality, healthy, and sustainable products online. Organic and essential groceries, clean beauty, safe supplements, and non-toxic home cleaning products, plus ethical meat, sustainable seafood, clean wine, and more. Serving up healthy lunches got old about mm, nine months ago. That's one of the many reasons I'm grateful for our Thrive Market membership. They have so many options, most at about 20% off. One of my new favorites, Kitchen and Love Quick Meals, available in a variety of options like artichoke lemon and roasted garlic farro quinoa meal, and Indian vegetable curry, served on rice cauliflower. In addition to the flavorful taste, I love these quick hit options can be eaten at room temperature or heated. Join today at thrivemarket.com AMR to get 25% off your first order and an exclusive free gift. The only way to get this offer is by going to thrivemarket.com AMR for 25% off your first order and a free gift. You can't get this offer anywhere else thrivemarket.com slash AMR. Well, Catherine, welcome to our show. And I wanted to give a shout out to Kate Kneifel of the Full of Shift podcast for bringing us together and suggesting you be a guest. Thank you so much for having me. And I absolutely love Kate. I just spoke to her oh, this morning. She's so awesome. I adore her. Adore her. It's on my list of things to do once the pandemic is over is to, uh, hopefully get myself to Carmel, Indiana. And it sounds like such a charming town and I just adore her. Yeah, she's the best. Yeah. Oh, hi, Catherine, this is Tish. And I am curious to hear about what kind of exercise you like to do. So, hey, Tish, how are you? Um, I love exercise. In fact, the older I get, the more I like to just let myself sort of listen to my body and choose what I want to do that day, instead of forcing myself to do any one particular thing all of the time. I love to, well, I, I get up at 445 in the morning to take my son to swim practice. And so wow. I exercise while he's swimming. So 
I were at a golf course that has these great hills. You know, one day I'll run up the hill and jog down and do that for a while and then do 20 minutes of yoga. Another day I might do some strength work in a band workout. Another day I might just do a dry land workout that has, that does legs and upper body. So I like a little bit of everything. And I'd like, uh, I like the efficiency of doing it while you're, while your son's at uh, swim practice. That's, that's always a good mother runner tip to <laughs> combine, combine schlepping kids around with getting your exercise. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to waste 30 more minutes of the morning driving back home and driving back to get him. Uh-huh. That's right. That's yep. Right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, and tell us about your work. So uh, you do counseling and you have a coaching practice. And how did you arrive at this kind of specialty? So it was a really long time in the making. And it was a very zigzag kind of path. You know, in sixth grade, I decided I wanted to be a lawyer. And I didn't know at that time what a per- anxious perfectionist I was. I didn't know that until I was about 50. But um, I decided I put my head down and I never considered anything else. And sure enough, by age 25, I was a lawyer and I did that for several years and realized it wasn't really my passion. I took some time off to just be at home with my three kids. And I realized one day I'm doing everything I can to help them go out and live their best lives. And I've kind of lost myself along the way. Like I was trying to be the perfect mom who did everything for everyone. And I looked up one day and I didn't really know who I was. And my husband actually helped me. I was racking my brain. What is my next thing going to be as my children are getting into high school and getting ready to go off? What is my purpose? What, what do I want? I was asking myself really for the first time in life, what do I want? And my husband was like, you should, you know, someone else telling me, right, you should go into counseling. Um, You would be great at counseling. That's what you do for your friends. People always come talk to you. You love to solve problems. And I was like, wait a minute. I don't want to do what my husband thinks I should do, (laughs) right? I want to figure out what I want. So I really gave it some time and some thought. And I thought, you know, I'll just, I'll try it. I'll try to go back to school and I'll see what it's like. And if I like it, I'll stick with it. If I don't like it, I'll find something else. And I went back to school. I absolutely loved it. And along the way, this time I decided I'm going to be open. I'm not going to know what I'm going to do when it's over. I'm just going to let myself enjoy it and be open. And surely enough, everything just unfolded the way it needed to. I learned I had anxiety. I worked through it. I figured out the the theory and the practice and the best way to address it. And I decided that's what I'm going to do for other people. I'm going to open my own practice be an anxiety specialist. And it was a little bit further down the road that I really dove into perfectionism and, and how that affects anxiety as well. So that's what I decided to do is because I had lived it for so long and found my way out. I wanted to help other people do the same. Nice. Nice. I've also decided though, you have a little bit of snow white in you because it sounds like you have birds twittering around your head. It's very pretty. Is that bothering y'all? No, I love it. I love it when a guest has birds. (laughs) They're outside, but man, they're very vocal. Very vocal. (laughs) So, you know, if you start, uh, some little friends come in and, you know, start singing, hi ho, hi ho, hi ho. I'll be, I'll be, (laughs) 
Um, so, all right, before we start talking perfectionism, you have already admitted that you, Catherine, are an anxious perfectionist. Tish and I talked about this when I asked her co-host, and she's like, yeah, I'm not a perfectionist. I'm like, nope. I'm totally not one. Uh, my philosophy in high school was if my B effort looks like everybody else's A effort, why should I do A effort? Because um, I was getting you know A's on my B effort. So just wanted to get that out of the way. Well, I um, can't say. I mean, I'm so happy for y'all. I'm absolutely <laughs> thrilled for you because I am a recovering perfectionist. And man, it's not an easy thing. It's not easy. So I applaud anyone who can say, I'm not a perfectionist. Mm, mm. Well, you know, uh, it's an interesting thing. You know, of course, then I start getting worried, but maybe I am a perfectionist. I don't know I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> <laughs> so and one of the things about it, you know, so I, you know, curious about the harm in it. And one of the things that's really tricky with, uh, you know, running, right, is, um, is there's sort of an inherent perfectionism in, and like, where's the dividing line between doing a really good job and nailing a goal race um, uh, and being a perfectionist? So I love your question because a huge myth about perfectionism, I have people come in my office all the time and I'll ask them some questions and then I'll say, do you think you're a perfectionist? And they'll be like, no, my house is a mess. I'm not a perfectionist. I mean, I didn't have to do these. Everything in my life doesn't have to be just so. And I'm like, that's not what makes a perfectionist. So perfectionism is the combination of setting high or unattainable performance standards for yourself accompanied by critical self-evaluation. So you mm. can be, you can set high standards for yourself and you can reach big goals and not ever be a perfectionist and be a highly productive, happy person. But if you're setting unreasonable goals and then beating yourself up for not reaching them, you're a perfectionist and that can be very detrimental. That's negative reinforcement for you ever trying anything, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. with running it, I can see how being, you know, perfectionists are very result oriented. We mm -hmm. wanna see a result, we want the result that we want and anything else can be very disappointing. And runners, you know, set goals all the time, right? You wanna get a PR, you wanna do this race, and running under this minute mile, whatever it is, nine minutes, eight minutes, whatever it is for you, that like keeps you driving forward, right? Mm -hmm. It's how you treat yourself when you do or don't reach your goal that determines whether or not you're a perfectionist. So say you run a 10K race and you wanted to do each mile under nine minutes, you wanted to finish under two hours and you did it in two hours and two minutes. If you're not a perfectionist, you can still be pretty happy with how you did and actually enjoy the process and be proud of yourself. If you're a perfectionist, that two minutes is going to, I mean, that two minutes is going to drive you crazy and make you feel like a failure. Mm. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I, I, uh, I'm laughing because it, so many runners do that. I mean, it's just so, so much a part of like, if, you know, you say you want to break two hours and you get 201, you go around going, I can't believe I got 201. What could I have done to get, you know, under, get that 159. And I think especially for, you know, it, it, it 
mother runners are even more susceptible to this trap because we've got a lot going on, right? So, yes. so we're we're trying to fit running into our busy mom lives. We're we're training for something that helps us feel like we're in control in an ever-changing chaotic world. So it's super hard to give that up. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Look, we as humans, we, it's biologically, it's natural for us to want predictability. Mm-hmm. Because when something is predictable, we can create a plan and tell ourselves we can handle it, right? Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is life is not predictable. We can plan and we can try to control and perfectionists, what perfectionists do, and a lot of moms who are perfectionists do is we think if we do our best in everything, we should somehow be able to control the results in every area of our life, right? Mm-hmm. It's as if there's this math equation and, and it's not A, B plus, plus C plus D plus E equals R or the result. We think it's just us and our actions equals the result. So we give ourselves way more power and put way more pressure on ourselves than is really necessary or helpful. And so if, if what I like to help clients with is say you're a mom who is a runner, who has a competition coming up, but you've got kids doing this, a partner doing this and, and something happens right? Something comes out of the blue that is unpredictable. Child gets sick, you get injured, something happens that gets in the way of you either doing the competition at all or doing reaching your goal in the competition. What I strive to help my clients with is, okay, this happened. What adjustment can I make to my expectations so that I can still enjoy myself, enjoy my progress, and enjoy what I've accomplished up until now, even if I didn't get the result I wanted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Listening to you talk reminds me of in 2009, which I realize is going back a ways, I trained really diligently for the Big Sur Marathon, which is a very, very challenging course. It has, has a lot of hills. Yeah. Um, and. Um, Tish, I know you can testify to all that. Mm-hmm. And um, so my, I was trained up to run probably like 351. That was what I thought I could do. And, you know, I really want to, whatever the case, break four hours. And I got in the elevator at the host hotel for the race. And a guy who'd run it a bunch of times was like, yeah, well, you know, you should add, without even asking me, he's like, I hope you know you should add 10 minutes to your goal time you know, for Big Sur, because that's what the hills do to you. I was like, what? No one's told me this. And so sure enough, the guy was right. I ran a 401. And but I pushed so hard, I just really leaned into the whole thing. And I posted on social afterwards how thrilled I was with my result. And then I talked to Dimity, my business partner in my um, for my hotel afterwards. And I was just elated. I was on top of the world. And she goes, wait, you're really happy with that 401? I thought you were just, you know, blowing smoke for social media. I'm like, no, 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 it's such a hard course. And this guy in the, you know, <laughs> elevator told me. And uh, and so, I don't know, it, it was uh, changing my expectations and being able to be happy with the effort that I put out and, and that um, I just kind of hadn't sized up the situation for what it was. So Okay, anyway. I'd love to hear that because 
you ended up giving yourself positive reinforcement, even though you didn't reach the goal that you held, you know, for a while in your training, mm-hmm. but you held it lightly and you left space for the possibility of something else still being a success. If you mm-hmm. were a perfectionist, it would be very all or nothing thinking. If I did this, it was a complete success. If I didn't do this, it was a complete failure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. probably, it was easier to go ahead and train for that next race because you, you gave yourself positive reinforcement for what ended up happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here's what I want to know though. What if you hadn't run into that guy? <laughs> well, yeah, well, that, that, that really it was because when he told, I mean, I remember so vividly, you know, that was 12 years ago this month that that happened. And I remember exactly that elevator scenario. And I just, I was shooting daggers out my eyes when that guy said that to me. And I just was like, what? Like I've been training this whole time for, you know, my 351 and you're telling me that. And I just, I mean, you could hear the air coming out of my own personal balloon but it stuck with me and here was a, you know, I think he was actually like a race official who had also run it a bunch of times. And so I thought, wow, he really knows what he's talking about. And if there's some formula and I thought, well, you know, by his formula, by this expert's formula, I in essence did nail my goal. Like if I had gone off and done a much flatter course that maybe wasn't as hot as it was that day, I could, I was trained up to do my 351 and to execute it. So I felt, in some bizarro math equation, going back to math, Catherine, you know, I felt that I did hit my 351, just it looked a little different because of the course of Big Sur. Yeah, and for the record, um, it's actually 20 minutes. <laughs> Look at that! 20 minutes at Big Sur. Okay, so that's amazing. You really beat your goal by 10 yeah. Oh my yeah, gosh, I beat, oh wow! <laughs> 12 minutes I've waited this right? whole 12 years I've waited for this. <laughs> that's cause That's cause for another celebration. Exactly. <laughs> it must be 5 o'clock somewhere, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, well, do, um, do you think that um that perfectionism is on the rise among women? Uh, you know, and, and is it like driven, um, exacerbated, accelerated by social media? Yes and yes. I think it's it's on the rise according to the research that I've read. It's on the rise of the next generations, like overall, men and women, girls and boys. And and part of it. I do believe is social media because there's three kinds of perfectionists. You could be one, you could be two, you could be all three. Mm. And one of those is socially prescribed perfectionism. So it's this belief that others have unrealistic standards from us and that they're going to put pressure on us to be perfect. And it's all, there's also other oriented when we have unrealistic expectations of others and believe others are, are thinking we should be perfect. So if you look on Instagram, right, everybody puts their best. Nobody puts their worst. Nobody <laughs> takes a picture of themselves when they're rolling out of bed after having had more than a couple drinks. Um, doesn't feel like they can tackle the day. And hey, here's a picture of me. And this is how life really is sometimes. No, it's all the best moments. It's all the the bragging and the boasting that goes on in the world. And especially when you are younger, you are more likely to compare yourself to others. So when you're seeing the most perfect unattainable standards in front of you, 
it's so much easier to hold yourself to those standards and really believe that other people have it going on a lot better than you do. So I better step it up. I better do this. I better eat less. I better run more. I better make higher grades. And, and yeah, I absolutely think it's on the rise. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. It's sad. Uh, Tish and I are both parents of teenagers. Yeah. So. Do you have do you have a do you have girl children, Catherine? I have a twenty three year old boy, an almost twenty one year old girl, and a fifteen year old boy. And my twenty almost twenty one year old girl is a perfectionist. Um, and you know you have to be really careful with girls and perfectionism or women, young women and perfectionism, because it can lead to eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Because you know we want we find places and things that we can control. And I was particularly worried about this even from a very young age before when my daughter was very young, even before I went into counseling because she's a swimmer. Uh And I was always very hard on myself for how I looked and what my body looked like. And, and um, I, I wouldn't say I ever had disordered eating, but I had very unrealistic expectations for myself. And I thought if there's any one thing I can give my daughter, it's a lesson along the way that it's much better to concentrate on what your body can do for you rather than what it looks like. And when she would put on her bathing suit to either compete or go to swim practice, I would start conversations about how great it is, what our bodies can do for us physically, and tried to keep the focus on how she wants her body to perform and act for her and the healthy things that she must do for her body so that it can perform the way that she wants to, so that she wouldn't be focused on or thinking about how do I look in this bathing suit. Yeah, it's so interesting you bring up swimming. My daughter's also uh, a swimmer and she's she's now 16 and she started when she was six and um, she is like super strong. She's not a skinny mini at all. Like she is all muscle and big, broad shoulders. Unlike me, I'm a classic, you know, little, little gazelle-like runner type. Um, and uh, it's really interesting how like being in bathing suits has made, seems to have made all the girls on their, on her team, like super body positive i mean you you can't be like really like uh, you can't starve yourself and be a a strong swimmer Uh, no yeah it's it's a really i'm i've just been really impressed with what a healthy sport it's been for her oh i'm so glad to hear that yeah i i swimming is such an incredible sport and the life lessons that it has taught my children along the way are invaluable Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and i think those are important messages for women of all ages to to hear about um, focusing on what your body can do rather than what it looks like running too right i mean yeah you have to feed yourself Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so yesterday on a run with my um buddy trisha i was thinking about this episode and wanted to get her input so i asked her what she thinks perfectionism is and she without hesitating says it's the killer of everything and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so good. And we're out in the middle of the woods. I'm like, can you text that to me? Because I want to make sure I remember that. <laughs> um, so do you see it that way among the women you counsel? I absolutely see it that way. That is a wonderful way to put it. Um, perfectionism, when, when you're a perfectionist, you really get bogged down in the fear of making a mistake, mm-hmm. the fear of being a failure. 
And that absolutely totally kills creativity. Mm. Um, it absolutely kills dreams because you, you think of this big dream or this big goal that you want to have in your brain is automatically going to say, no, mm -mm, that's too scary. Mm -hmm. You can't do that. You absolutely can't do that. But when I was able to get to the point, you know, when I recognized what perfectionism was doing to me and I was able to take myself through the process that I take clients through now, it was like the world opened up, mm -hmm. creativity opened up, what I allow myself to do in business. And that's part of the reason why I'm shifting my, the focus of my podcast and my coaching to entrepreneurs, because I realized what it does, I mean, an entrepreneur has to be creative, has to be not fearless, but definitely not fearful of trying new things and making mistakes. And I keep coming across people who are struggling in business because they are afraid to make a mistake. Mm -hmm. So I really work with them on sort of doing what I do, which is now treating life like an experiment. I've mm -hmm. really kind of let the let the word failure go. It's just mm -hmm. not even a part of my vocabulary. It's all about letting myself dream, figuring out what dream aligns with what I value and what I really want, and then figuring out the actions that are going to take me to that goal, then letting go of the goal and just focusing on doing the process every day. Mm -hmm. So I completely and totally agree. It, it, it kills dreams and it kills creativity. And really, without dreams and creativity, we can never really have the lives that we're meant to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you allude to your podcast and, and the name of that and your brand is Imperfect Thriving. So kind of define your definition of that phrase and what are some first steps that women runners could take to live by that credo? Oh, love that question. So yes, I'm actually in the process of changing it and rebranding to, <laughs> to, um, you know, it's just allowing myself right to experiment and pivot and change. It's now called entrepreneurs unstuck, hmm. but I, I would still say the credo is imperfect thriving, which is all about, we can't thrive when we try to be perfect. We, we make ourselves, we use these rigid rules and these shoulds, and we stay in what we see as our lane and we never let ourselves veer out. We never let ourselves figure out exactly who we are, what we want and the ability and the leeway to go get it. So imperfect thriving is just really about letting yourself get in touch with what you value, what you want your life to be about, and then letting yourself experiment giving yourself full freedom to be an absolute beginner at something because perfectionists don't like to let themselves be beginners. So we're, we're afraid to try. So it's all about letting yourself be a beginner and learning from the outcome and then taking that data, trying it again, getting a little bit better at it until you reach where you want to be. And Catherine, it's, it, it's always an evolving process, isn't it? Like even if you're not a beginner, right? So we asked for some questions from our listeners before this show. And, and here's a question from Robin and she's been running for 40 years, okay? More than 40 years and still she's got this question and here we go. 
It's how can I balance truly enjoying my run and the pressure to get faster? Um, she says she's a run walk back of the packer. So I love that question, Robin, congratulations. I mean, 40 years of doing anything really shows that you have a true passion for it. And I think to let go of the pressure of getting faster, there are a couple of things I would advise. One is really sit down and find clarity about your why. Why do you run? Why have you been running for 40 years? What is it that you love about it? And keep that in the front of your mind. The second thing I would say is don't compare yourself to anyone else, what anyone else is doing. The only comparison that could possibly be good for you is to compare yourself to who you were yesterday or last week and not necessarily in a result oriented way. If you love running for the sake of running and do not care how fast you run a mile, don't let what anybody else is doing affect how you think about that. Just go out, enjoy the day, enjoy the process of running, and enjoy the fact that you have been able to do that. Your body has let you do that for 40 years and you are still going strong. So this question from Emily um, sort of harkens back to one I asked earlier, but I like the perspective she brings to her inquiry. And so um, she asked that we tackle the topic of balancing contentment with yourself as you are alongside chasing big goals. And so in running, she's been trying to qualify for Boston for two years, which is, you know, you have to have a, t a time qualification yep. to get in. And she fell short of that goal the day she wrote this question on our Facebook page. Um, and she says, that's okay, I think. I'm sure the hard tears of disappointment will come, but not tearing myself down as a runner. And, um, and then she says in life, pursuing big goals, like a master's, if she wants it, or a significant job change, but also being content with where you are. So kind of, again, that the balance of contentment and striving. Yes, I, that's an absolute great question. And it's where I try to help my clients go. So it's, it's this, it's really, once again, getting in touch with what you value and setting goals in alignment with that value, then breaking it down, like I'm sure that you've done into the process of what are the steps that I'm going to take to reach that goal, and then really letting the goal fall to the back of your mind and living the process every day. And when you do that, sit back at the end of the day, allow yourself to be proud of yourself for living the process that day. Mm -hmm. And if you enjoy living that process and focus on living that process, then if the result doesn't happen and we still hope that it does, you've still enjoyed about 90 to 95% of your time. Whereas if we're solely focused on that result, we only enjoy about 5% of the time. Mm. So, that's, I think, how you find that balance. You set that big goal and you live it every day, but you find some satisfaction in the fact that you lived it today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. So um, uh, 
another listener reader, her name is Holly, and she um, is bringing back a point that we were just talking about earlier, which is um, the wisdom that comes with age. And also, again, I'm going to use this word evolution, you know, how goals have to evolve with age. And she describes herself as an older woman runner. And she has says that she sees women, and I've seen this too in my years of running, like, you know, there are a lot of women running early on and, and, and people start dropping off um, because their bodies change and your pace slows. I mean, that's just going to happen eventually. Everybody listening to this one day, you're going to be slower <laughs> and it might come when you're 70, but you know what? That's better than the alternative. Yes, yes. <laughs> but, you know, perfect times and, and perfect, you know, Boston qualifying times are, aren't as achievable. Um, and, uh, you know, one has to learn to adjust and accept, um, accept these changes. So, uh, where's the question? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <there's... laughs> you know, that's a tough one. That's a really tough one for me. Um, I, and I especially think, you know, we're bombarded with society, a society that cherishes youth. Mm -hmm. and we're bombarded with commercials. We're bombarded with magazines of trying to be sold youth on a regular basis, right? We should be doing this to combat the wrinkles under our eyes. We should be doing this so we don't get cellulite on our legs. We, sh you know, 50 is the new 40. If you're not 50 and look like a 40 year old, there is something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really putting some mindfulness into our days. And really, once again, I go back to the eight domains in my life and really look at what do I value? Why am I running? And yes, I mean, PRs and goals and all of that is necessary and great, but what are you running for? And that can change over time, right? And allow yourself to sort of hold lightly this picture that you have of yourself as a runner and maybe look at your definitions mm -hmm. and see whether your definitions are causing you problems. Mm -hmm. What is your definition of a successful runner? Well, if you made up that definition when you were 25 or 30 years old and you're 70, maybe you just need to change the words in your definition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. Changing, changing it as you go along, right? Mm -hmm. to, yes. make it, to make it right for the, the person that you are at that time. So, yes, flexibility. Well, um, let's also talk about uh, a tool for runners, which is um, self-talk. Um, so that's like helping pull yourself out of a rough patch during during a race or during a workout, um, and uh, and how some some kind of inner inner talk right can both help you or it can sabotage you. So what can you, what insight do you have to like get that self-talk that's more positive than critical? So self-talk, you know, I mean, I always say that the most important words that we say are the ones that we say to ourselves in our own head. It, it absolutely creates and dictates the trajectory that you're on. And if you find yourself putting yourself down, saying and it's not just what you say to yourself, it's how you say it. You know, is it demeaning? Is it belittling? Or are you your own best cheerleader? Because once again, the negative self-talk is negative reinforcement. It makes everything that you do more difficult. It might make it might limit you in the goals that you create for yourself. 
Um, whereas positive reinforcement can not only help the goals, help you reach the goals that you have, but it can also help you set higher goals that you wouldn't normally think that you could even achieve. So if you find yourself stuck in negative self-criticism, I would say reach out to a counselor, especially one that uses acceptance commitment therapy, because at the bottom of that is self-value, how you value yourself, how you look at yourself is the most important determinant of how you talk to yourself. And you might have some things to work out from when you were younger or things that have happened to you that have helped create that sort of negative self-talk. But, but if you find that you're struggling with doing that on a regular basis, it might be a good idea to see a counselor and get that turned around into the positive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So tied up so much in perfectionism and in everyday life in general, especially these days, is anxiety. So many of us run to relieve anxiety, but we can't spend 24-7 on a treadmill or pounding the pavement as much as we might like to. Um, so I realize this could be an entire episode in and of itself, but we can't let you go without um, you sharing a few key pieces of anxiety allaying advice, please, Catherine. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So um, I've found, except... I and science have found that acceptance commitment therapy is um, a great type of therapy for anxiety and it has several components to it and I'll try to break it down as best I can. Um, so the first component is mindfulness. You become aware of the negative thoughts that you're having that are unhelpful to you and you learn how to let those thoughts go right when they come into your brain. So that's one aspect is really becoming aware of what thoughts are creating this anxiety. Is it that you're telling yourself you're not good enough? You're not pretty enough? You're not fast enough? Is it that you're trying desperately to control everything in the future? Is it that you're worried about mistakes of the past? What are you telling yourself? So get down to the bottom of what that is. Then it's taking the different domains of your life and focusing on what, what am I telling myself that's an obstacle here and what do I really want? Hmm. And then what actions are going to take me over or around that obstacle and toward what I want? Now your focus is not on worry about the future, rumination about mistakes in the past. It's about what action can I take today? And that's how you take control over your life and move away from anxiety and toward a lot more joy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I say we, we end on that note because I think more joy is what we're all after in this world. It's the best. It is the best. Well, Catherine, thank you so much. It was really a pleasure talking with you. Oh, I've loved being with y'all today. I enjoyed our conversation. All right. Keep up those hill repeats while your son's at swim practice. I will. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Okay, Tish, if you changed your mind, do you still deem yourself not a perfectionist? Because I am now firmly in the camp that I am not a perfectionist. <laughs> Well, I really think it's really interesting. It's such an interesting conversation about about running and perfectionism, you know, and letting go of the that ultimate goal and and just enjoying the process of training mm -hmm. and not necessarily the the time on the clock at the end. And I, I just think that's a lesson that every runner has to 
remember and learn over and over and over again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or maybe I'm speaking for myself. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> runners of a certain age most <laughs> definitely have had to <laughs> come together with that idea. Well, I, I mean, I, even when, you know, even when you're in your early 30s, right, you, you know, mm-hmm. you train for a certain goal and, and you may not make it for whatever reason, but, but the process was still an important part of the journey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right. Well, I would love if everyone listening would consider coming to our Portland retreat. Yes, it is in person. Oh my gosh, can't believe it. Really, when I talk about it, it seems a little bit like I'm talking about let's travel to Mars. But um, it is October 22 to 25 of this year. And it is here in my fair city of Portland, Oregon downtown at this grand beautifully restored historic hotel where every room is a suite Um, and we are going to be running along the Portland waterfront have speakers in have some of our coaches there Augie my French bulldog is going to make at least one guest appearance Um, (laughs) and it's just going to be great fun like all our retreats are just being able to get together with people in real life, talk about the struggles that you're dealing with and your successes and just life in general. It's really awesome. So um, please head on over to the Mother Runner store and um, drop down menu, look for retreats. And uh, there's the Portland retreat. And then we also have our Hilton Head Island one next February, which Tish, we still have to talk about you possibly coming to that because it's near where your man lives in Charleston. So, I'm oh, in Savannah. In Savannah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, got my, my cities mixed up That's there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon, here, Portland, Oregon, by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. Mm-hmm.